This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This segment is sponsored by Dell Technology Small Business Virtual Podference, which starts May 10th. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. Is this your place? No, 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 no. No, I live with my mom. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's a special Dell Podference episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we feature our most brilliant guest of the year. It's our own genius show writer, Paulette Perhatch. Oh, crap. How did I not see that coming? It says here, to help you use writing to improve your earning potential, we welcome the Beyonce of the writing world, the Hemingway of toilet, oh my God, the Shakespeare of stacking. All right, Paulette, calm down. Also says here, What's that smell in the basement? It's done. Man, I'm so tired of putting words in my mouth. Now, not a lot of people know this, but besides being a total pain in the butt, Paulette is also a total software nerd and a small business owner herself. So we'll talk to her about animating all possible parts of small business so that you can have time and mental space for the creative stuff. And of course, we'll share my small business trivia. And now... Two guys who weave words like the actual Shakespeare to help you stack your Benjamins. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And a happy special day to you, stackers. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Welcome to our Dell Podference episode. Uh, Doug has his bow tie on and uh, OG, man looking snazzy in the leather pants. We are ready to talk small business on today's episode how are you man fantastic and you know what is interesting is that while doug jokes about paulette perhatch she had a piece in the new york times that went very much viral Mm -hmm. was incredibly Mm -hmm. talked about with her fu fund uh, (laughs) piece uh was great stuff yeah she's amazing i just don't like that she puts words in my mouth (laughs) and makes me say these things against my will but that's the key to good writing. If you're the writer and you're good at writing, you're in control, man. Now everybody's going to know who the puppet master is on the Stacky Benjamin show here in a little bit. Paulette's like, dance, clown. That's dance. Exactly right. <laughs> what are these strings attached to my arms and legs? A lot of people, especially if you're bad at writing, you don't realize how much people judge you and they judge your writing. And so Paulette's going to go over how to make sure that you 
look good whenever you have to write either it's external internal stuff very powerful how you write shows the world who you are but before that we got a small business headline hello darlings and now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking benjamin's headlines hey og i'm gonna step in here actually and cover the headlines it's kind of right in my kitchen here on small business and technology and operations. There's no way I could let this opportunity just go. Joe off to the side. We're just going to out of my way. You need out a of my break. way clown. He's done like 1100 episodes straight. We're going to give the kid a breather. Now we go on a book tour for a day or two and people are like, I really like Doug's new part. And you're like, I've got new parts. I want a new part. <laughs> that I can was, do more. That was, I want to tell you going on that book tour was so great for the ego. I can't tell you how many times you know, you chit chat before the event or you chit chat after the event, you're standing in a little small group and, and then somebody else wants my time because they all want a little piece of Doug, right? So I'm talking to somebody and then I, I turned to leave to go to the other group and I realized in addition to just, they love my personality and they love my sense of humor. They think I've got a je ne sais quoi. They've got, yeah, the je ne sais quoi, my joie de vivre, but uh, they, <laughs> they love my butt apparently too, because every time I turned around to leave, I would hear invariably somebody would be saying, what an ass. And so, they, I mean, they think I've got a great butt, too. I haven't lost it, man. Still slaying it. I still got it. I still got it. But on to more important things, right. other than my ego, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which is only rivaled by mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the special episode we're doing with our partners at Dell about small business and, and how automation can help them. You know, recently in Wall Street Journal, there was a great article called Capital Spending Boom Helps Raise Productivity and Contain Cost. This came from David Harrison six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, something like that. So fairly recent, but um, there was some great information in here. And I think a, a lot of small business owners are are wondering, how much should I spend on technology for my business? Am I spending it on the right things? And there's a couple of interesting points in here. Private non-residential business investment grew 7.4% in 2021 from the previous year after adjusting for inflation, the fastest pace since 2012 and a strong bounce back from the 5.3% decline in 2020. Spending for software and information processing equipment, such as computers, rose 14% in 2021 from the previous year. So spending's way up. You're a small bit. Well, sorry, you're a giant titan of industry, but you also, <laughs> but you also run a small business. What you do you make? Done that for like hours. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. I, I didn't even sleep last ball. night coming up with that line. I know. Uh, what, what do you make of that? Are you spending more in your business? And are there any recent things you've done using technology that have that have really made a difference in your small? I mean, giant business. A couple of things that I thought of here as you were talking, business investment growing generally overall, you know, growing. Obviously, that's a result of optimism and that sort of thing. But focus on technology, you know, growing 10 or 14%, like you said, I think really goes to show how people are trying to, I don't want to say do more with less, but be more productive with with the resources that they have. You know, the great thing about technology I was just talking about this the other day with somebody. When I first started as a financial planner back when I was young, a wee lad, full of hair, you know, we had a financial planning tool, right? And that's a backbone of what we do for work. So you would load all the client data in and then you'd hit solve and the computer would calculate. It would do the math, right? I mean, that's what computers are supposed to do. Did the button just say magic on it and then a miracle happens? Just said solve. Solve. And and there was enough time, so this is 99, 2000 time period, there was enough time to hit solve, go get a cup of coffee, talk to your buddy, maybe eat a sandwich, and then come back 30 minutes later to see what the results were. And now we have our phones or we have our tools that we use in our business where we can show multiple financial planning outputs and scenarios like just by toggling a button. Oh, you want to retire at 55 instead of 50? No problem. Let's see what that looks like. Boom, done. Amazing. And it updates it in real time. It has really helped, I think, be able to clarify what financial planning is and the outcomes. You know, the hardest thing about planning is trying to delay the gratification for an unknown future because you have to save money for a long, long time to be able to get an outcome. 
And it's hard to, it's hard to visualize what that looks like, you know, if you're 25 or you're 30. So for us, having a lot of technology infrastructure is, is key. And all of our team is remote. So not only is Stacking Benjamin's remote, as you know, but all of the planning firm is too. So all of the support that we need to be able to work together from across the country, both for Stacking Benjamin's and for my planning firm, is only because of you know the, the investments that well, we've made. Let's in talk technology. about that for a second. One, you just said infra- technology infrastructure, and depending on how you define that, I would say you really the, the amazing thing is you have very little infrastructure in terms of wired network, server right. rooms, all of that. It's amazing what you're able to do in a totally distributed fashion with people all over the country. I mean, in your your team, the employees that work on your uh, on your team, you have virtually no infrastructure. You're using, um, you're running most of your business off of SaaS products, right? Software as a service. Is that right? Yeah. And it's really quite amazing, you know, using other people's intellectual capital to kind of pull all of the tools that we need. Thankfully, I don't have to go buy an office space to like fill it with servers yeah. in order to communicate, yeah. you know, and I know that there's businesses that do have to do that. And that's, you know, different, different type of business. We use a lot of software, a lot of uh, networking type of communication type stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's almost to the point where I think our technology costs, well, I would say our technology costs are twice as much as any other single line item outside of payroll. Yeah, that's not uncommon in a lot of businesses now. It's, you know, after your human capital costs, just your, your staff all over, oftentimes in a lot of businesses, the next largest line item is technology. A lot of small business owners have asked me uh, when I was doing a lot of consulting in small and mid-sized businesses, how much should I be spending? There is no right answer. I wish there was a, it, it is <laughs> yeah. this percentage. 7.32%. Well, but it's funny you pick that number. So depending on your product or service and the industry you're in, it it's generally around 8% of top line revenue. What did I say? I know. That's why- 7.32%. Amazing that your butt was that accurate, but it is in that range. Now, there are some businesses that you're going to need to spend 25% of your top line revenue on on tech or more. But it's a force multiplier. That's the thing yeah, that, yeah. that people have to understand. You know, sometimes you look at- um, people are a lot easier to to evaluate than tools. So, you know, it's like, oh, I got to hire somebody. It's going to cost me $80,000. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not a cost. It's an investment, right? That thing that you're, that, that person, that thing, that person that you're bringing into the organization. <laughs> now we know what it's like to work in your firm. <laughs> <laughs> that, that human this form. No, that, you know, that person that you're bringing into your organization, you're going to expect some sort of results from some you know, maybe not sales results, but you, they're going to help grow your team in some way, shape, or form, yeah. free up resources. The same thing is true with technology. If you have a, a tool that you can purchase, it's not a cost on the budget. I mean, it, you got to think of it like an investment. What does this free up? What sort of what sort of additional things, or how fast can I do something here versus? how long it used to take me in this other way. So absolutely. And that's a great segue into a a technology I know you've invested in that is becoming a lot more accessible, both in terms of complexity and in cost is in general terms, RPA or robotic process automation. That used to be reserved for much larger larger organizations with uh, dedicated IT teams who could really get into using some of the base code or the tools for that, Blue Prism or UiPath. Now there are services out there, again, software as a service, there are services out there who can help you automate some repetitive rote processes that you have. Are you using that? I think you are. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean... There's probably a lot of a lot of things that we're not doing, you know, that you can transition. And really, this is this is the idea of taking that five dollar an hour job, you know, that manual data entry or something like that that you're going to put in fifteen forms, do it once, and have technology put it in the other fourteen mm-hmm. to free up that person's time capital to be able to do the next higher level thing. Right. And so we have some of those things. There's probably a lot more. That I'm that I'm not taking advantage of. I'm always amazed. You go to conferences and stuff like that. You talk to people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I use this tool." And you're like, "I've never heard of it. What does it do?" They tell you, "Go, oh, my gosh, that exists." Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I'm in. Well, and it sounds a lot like a silver bullet when you first hear about it, and it can do amazing things. And I would encourage encourage 
most small to mid-sized business owners to investigate uh, robotic process automation. But a couple of forewarnings, you don't want to automate bad processes, right? I mean, <laughs> so spend some time. Yeah, we'll multiply. <laughs> yeah. It's a force multiplier in one direction, and uh, hopefully it's the right one. But if you've got, if you've got a bad... You're, if you're, it's, it's going to do it a whole bunch. Right, right. So spend a little while, and who knows what that means. It could be minutes, hours, or days, but spend a little while to just make sure that the, the process you're automating is in pretty good shape. Not that you don't get a chance to fix it later, but easier to do it the what first did, time. Uh, Abraham Lincoln say, you know, if you gave me 12 hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend 11 sharpening the saw. Right, right. But keep in mind, as you're fixing your processes, the cost of perfect is almost always too high. So don't don't shoot for perfect, but clean up some stuff in your process. And then I would really recommend small business owners looking into this. The other thing that's happening now in that in that RPA space is is layering in AI, artificial intelligence. It will start to evaluate the process it's doing and other data inputs and realize either additional processes it can automate automatically or ways of making the existing one more efficient so and just sort of fix it on the fly so that's again that's that reduction in complexity it used to take dedicated teams and lots of expense for larger corporations uh, that's coming down market into small and mid-size so something that uh, i think a lot of our listeners should look into yeah i mean you have to look at technology as an investment and if you were to go down the list of all of your all of the tasks that you do every day or the tasks that your team does every day Start looking at the things that you go, well, there's a tool that we can use to free up that person's time so they can, you know, they can move up in terms of working on the next more complex project. And, uh, and technology is uh, a great way to, uh, to offset some of that, that energy that that other person needs to be able well, to uh, I, I wouldn't even say it's a great way thing. or a nice way. It's critical because of the labor shortage, yeah. right? It is hard to find people to do, especially some of those lower value added tasks. They don't want to do them. They're like, I, you know, I'll go do something else or make 22 bucks an hour working fast food. So you've got to find a way to lift that off of their plate and allow them to do things that are a little bit more stimulating and value add. I agree. Yeah. I Really would like to keep talking about this for, I don't know, a couple hours, but I think I've got trivia coming up. Got to rest the vocal cords. I get it. Plus, Joe's getting You're... a little bit tired of, he's sitting over there just like, I got to get back in there. Drumming his fingers. Yeah. All Put right. me in, coach. <laughs> I'm ready. Thank you so much, Doug. I think we got, uh, got a little trivia about an entrepreneur who made some rain out of a, out of a situation where somebody went, oops, because they couldn't spell. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Have you ever made a typo that cost you your reputation or even a job? Those of you as old as Joe will remember when Dan Quayle corrected someone in a spelling bee, adding an E to the end of potato. Wait, that's wrong? Anyway, some typos have some serious price tags. For example, an eBay seller was auctioning off a precious, 150-year-old beer, Alsop's Arctic Ale. The problem? He left one P off the double P in the name Alsop in the listing. So hardly anyone in the serious beer collection community saw it. But someone in the know did come across it and bought the beer for a paltry $304. My question is, how much did this enterprising new beverage entrepreneur turn around and resell it for? Was it about $500, about $50,000, or $500,000? I'll be right back after I check my online dating profile to make sure I didn't misspell deck. This segment is sponsored by Dell Technology Small Business Virtual Podference, which starts May 10th. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. Hey there, stackers. I'm eagle-eyed reader and typo trapper Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. The beer in question had been specially brewed in 1852 for a polar expedition. And later, it was sold on eBay and took an expedition to Massachusetts for 1995 in shipping. The buyer soon relisted it 
and with only the spelling corrected, and over nine days received 157 bids. So how much did he sell the bottle for after getting it for just $304 because of a typo? $503,000. And now, a woman who would only misspell a beer after meeting you out for a few, not that we would know, Paulette Perhatch. And I'm a dead shortwave, a woman I talk to all the time, but now we get to have the meter running. Paulette Perhatch is here. How are you? I'm doing great out here in LA. How are you? I am in, uh, where the hell am I, Paulette? <laughs> We're both kind of on where the hell am I tours. I've been nomading <laughs> for three months, not as intensely moving around as you have, but uh, <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't met up in the same city. You're writing for somebody that has a really cool project. I'm on a cool tour. So we got like the cool thing going on yeah. right now. But one thing where you're in my paths cross, obviously, with the Stacking Benjamin show is writing and is making sure that we have good writing. But I think that what a lot of people don't realize, Paulette, is how bad bad writing can really hurt your career. I have to tell you this. If you write me an email that is poorly written, it will change the game on whether we work together or not. Absolutely. It is oftentimes your first impression. I'm hiring right now for a social media manager and, you know, some of the cover letters I get, I immediately know someone left an E off the end of my name, Paulette. And I was like, nope, next, like thumbs down on the old Upwork. People don't realize how they come across. And often you don't realize what you don't know. So when someone is educated in how to write a certain kind of email or in the grammar, you know, there's a way in which they can see your level of education. It's almost like in sales. Now that I know sales a bit more, I can spot a bad salesperson a mile away. And I'm like, here comes the, you know, the social pressure. Here comes the time limit. Here comes the fake manager. Like, check, check, check. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's not effective yeah. at all. You don't have the power behind it. And sometimes it's straight up humiliating where, you know, I just had, someone had like a, um, muscle massage machine from Sharper Image, and it said it had a quiet motor when they meant quiet motor. And I was like, oh, it's a homonym. Oh, the old homonyms, right? <laughs> like, and as a professional writer, I know that I highlight the whole text. I put it in a piece of software that will read it out loud to me, and that's how I catch homonyms. But if you're just Sue from the accounting department who got an A in English class in high school and the marketing manager pulls you in to proofread an email, you might not catch that because it's not what you do. I wanted to ask you about tools because I do love the idea of running it by somebody else because I feel like often we'll write an email, we'll write it fairly quickly. We think it's good. I write a ton every day and I'm still horrified sometimes when I reread something that I just fired off and there is a typo in the subject line and it's horrifying when you mm -hmm. do that, but at least mm -hmm. putting the brakes on that somehow. They're absolutely studies about why it's important to not proofread your own writing because you know what you want to say. So literally you're blind to your own mistakes in a lot of ways. So trading emails, you know, maybe having one person at work where you're like, hey, you know, can we be buddies? Where like, if you have an important email, I'm happy to proofread it for you. If I have an important email, will you proofread it for me? That's definitely a way in which you can prevent those kind of embarrassing mistakes. Do you have any tools that you like? You know, people listen to the show know that I use Grammarly. I really like Grammarly just because I go, oh, I skipped a word because I will often just write like I talk. But Grammarly is one I like. Do you have any tools you really lean on or think would be good for people? Yeah, you know, and actually speaking of writing like you talk, I think a transcription software, you know, I often will just do a voice note and then I'll put it in Temi, which is T-E-M-I or Otter. And so some people who are like, oh, I don't know how to write. It's like, can you talk? If you can talk, then you can write. But yeah, I think Grammarly is great. And I think that Google Docs is getting so much smarter. I also love when I'm trying to brainstorm one look reverse dictionary. If you're trying to, you know, be a little more creative, that's great for the creative side. There's not just a level of like embarrassing. That's the baseline, right? You don't want an embarrassing typo. But also you want it to be not only effective, but maybe even a little fun, maybe even a little enjoyable. You know, yeah. often at work, 
do you get emails that have personality that you enjoy reading that are good news, right? That bring you solutions instead of problems. So there's so many different levels of not only the function of, did you get it right? Did you not say quite instead of quiet? There is, did this email help you get toward what you want and expand your influence, you know, make a sale, strengthen a relationship, or did it do the opposite? I want to dive into all those topics, but let's start with this. You and I had a discussion recently talking about how business is emotion. And as I think about even that phrase, business is emotion, I think that is so counterintuitive. Everybody thinks, no, 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 I've got my business hat on, which means I'm not emotional. I'm making data-driven decisions. You say that, uh, okay, probably not. Yeah. You know, I am currently in LA for the weekend. And what do I see everywhere I walk around? These huge billboards with the Kardashians in some underwear and the Hugo Boss logo. Why would a company pay whatever her name is, begins with a K, I'm sure, Kardashian, (laughs) um, to wear underwear, take a picture and put it on a billboard with a lot of real dollars, right? Because it creates emotion in the people who's see it. And that was one of my favorite joys of getting in on the business side of being a writer. You know, I am certainly a creative writer and I love writing my sad little essays about all my feelings. That's my favorite. And then just pretty much giving it to a literary magazine. I also love business and I love how business can be a creative endeavor. And I was watching just some seminar on sales and they said, sales is the transfer of emotion. And I said, oh my God, that is what art is as well. And of course, so art, true. there's a different impetus and there's a different goal, right? But artists play such an important role in business and sales. And I love, you know, living a life where there's not this hard line between my business and my personal life. And so for me, I can just be a person in the world. And when I need to make money, when I need to help a business, I can do that and support myself when I just feel um, an impetus to make a piece of art, I can do that as well. And both can be effective. As far as for artists, I love to tell them your work and your talents have so much real dollar value in the world because business is emotional. For businesses, I love to say you need artists and you need craft and emotion in your business if you want to make it because you are always influencing a singular person at a time and people are emotional. Man, think about think about which business you'd rather do business with, right? If a business is going to help us feel happier, more joy in our life, reach our values, whatever those things are. I mean, those are not structured facts. Those are those are emotions, those are feelings that we have toward reaching this end. And if we confuse data with emotion, that's great, but Is there a way to do that? Because you were talking earlier about manipulative sales, right? I can Mm -hmm. read from a mile away, Paulette, and so can you, when an email just is totally trying to manipulate my feelings. Yet, if I see a Kardashian in underwear with Hugo Boss, I really don't feel like I'm being manipulated. I just kind of roll my eyes. But but, uh, But I still know that they're trying to evoke an emotion without overdoing it. Let's start off on the positive side. So there's some things we can do to bring more emotion to our email, to bring more emotion to our writing so that we do a better job there? Yeah, I think really being clear with your emotions, you know, everything from even leadership, how many leaders have you worked with where you have no idea how they're feeling about something? You're like, oh, I think Tom's mad, but you're not sure, right? So with my team, I'm like, oh my God, you guys, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so happy. Or like, I will be like, I'm feeling really frustrated right now because X is happening, but we're going to do this, right? So they know, like, they don't have to guess how I'm feeling. Ah, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Just to put a point on that for everybody. So the original sentence is, we are going from doing X to doing Y. The Paulette version is, I'm really excited because we're going from X to Y, and here's why I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, talk about the transfer of emotion. That's also leadership, yeah, right? right. Where you want to get your team excited or you want your team to feel the pain of this like pain point in your business and understand why you need to change. I love the idea from the guys who wrote Made to Stick and their book Switch. The Heath. Where they talked about, yeah, the Heath. I love them. And they talked about the keys to change are not only a clear path and an intellectual argument, but an emotional impetus as well. And I think the story that I wrote on money that went viral 
it was not new, new news that you need to save money. But what I did was attach a very clear emotional impetus to it that I think was new. So not only with that, but with your, with your clients, with your customers, you know, with my business, I feel like fun, you know, is one of our differentiators and my team totally gets that. Like, how can we make every little part of working with our business more fun? I saw one person in my genre, when I get the charge for like supporting his newsletter, it comes through with a little like old school style, happy face you know, the colon dash parentheses. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, and I was like, oh, how can we do something like that? You know, so every little thing, you know, our emotions are, this is more fun and easier. And so it's not a problem, right? And anytime there is a little problem, you always come with a solution and you come with a positive attitude about it. But that also is, if something is a problem though, sharing the emotion about how disappointed you are in writing. I mean, don't get me wrong. You want to make sure that you're, you're clear and you're not scaring people. But I think that can be powerful too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, emotion is what drives people. And certainly fear is a more powerful driver than joy, you know, and loss aversion is huge. But, you know, we don't want to live our lives completely living in fear and, and moving off of fear. I yeah. think it feels more fun to move toward joy and toward accomplishment. And also, you know, it's not just about these are my particular brand's attributes, but also invoking trust. I mean, I loved, you know, we had on the show recently, Stephen M. R. Covey, and he wrote The Speed of Trust. And trust is a measurable business metric where everything is faster and easier when you have a high trust environment. And trust is an emotion that you invoke, right? So that is being a trustworthy brand is certainly a certain kind of emotion. There's all different kinds, whatever goes with your brand and your voice you probably want your customers to feel an emotion when they deal with your business. And a good writing is understanding how to point a person's kind of their gut feeling toward the way you want them to feel for better or for worse. Cause some people can certainly manipulate this, uh, yeah. you know, this effect to like very detrimental ends. But I think this is important and to go from the strategy of being trustworthy to the tactic of how do we do that? I'm thinking about, structurally, I don't just say what we need to do. I say why we need to do it and why this might affect a bigger, a bigger number of people. Like, you know, I'm on this book tour right now and we spend a lot of time talking to financial literacy, right. And talking about financial literacy, because it's not just about selling a book. There's plenty of books out there and I'm going to do okay if I don't sell another book. But if we can interest somebody in the world of personal finance and make them excited about it, well, then that's transformative. And I think, I think putting that in writing is something that changes the conversation from I'm on a book tour to, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking about uh, the blues brothers. Now I'm on a mission from God, Paulette. Mm -hmm. Now Paulette, I am on a mission from God to increase financial literacy. And that mission from God builds trust. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to give you, if you're a huge bank and I'm going to give you my million dollars that I definitely have, how much am I going to trust you if you leave the E off the last Oh, right. So Stephen Covey talks about how it's trust is both character and competence. So I need a sense that you have, you know, the right kind of intentions and also that you are able to do it. And both of those things can be conveyed in the written word. You mentioned earlier that we're in the attention economy and we want to grab people's attention when we're writing, whether it's internal, external. What is that? Is that shorter paragraphs than we used to write? Is it restructuring? Is it a uh, better subject line? I think it is better subject line. I Yeah, the shorter sentences, sure. I see these marketing emails that are literally one line, paragraph, another line, new paragraph, another line. And I'm like, oh my God, just write a paragraph. I think it's really helping people understand the stakes up high, right? What would happen if I didn't read this article or didn't read this email or didn't read this blog post? You have to be careful of sounding clickbaity. So it's a really fine line. You know, we're going to help you save $10, something like that. Right. And it's like, okay, it's very clear. I need to read this because this is important. I want to make clear to everybody, this isn't just for outside communication. And we've kind of alluded to this a little bit. Sometimes this is an email. It's a memo going to your team. It's leadership with your team. 
if mm-hmm. if you don't write clearly with your team internally, you also run the risk, Paulette, of looking stupid. Well, especially just using the E on the end of your name. If there's somebody who's your direct report and you write an email to them and you miss the E on the end of their name, what does that say about your relationship? Absolutely. I always say there's always time to be human, right? So really connecting with the human on the other side. And, you know, that's, I mean, that is how to win friends and influence people 101, yeah. where people's names are very important to them. And so if you're not getting that right, it's like you don't care about a lot of different things and you're just kind of brushing. So certainly that speaks to that competence level where it's like, oh, how can I trust my CEO to best when he or she can't even spell my name right? Absolutely. Uh, Joe, hold on a second. I, I know you're super important and uh, Mr. Interview expert guy, but since Doug got to do a little something different earlier, I want to do something a little different now. So I'm going to ask a couple questions on my own. And I don't care what you think. I'm going to hit mute for you and you can't talk anymore. Okay. Good. What about what I think? Yes. Well, Do you're going to say in this. Yes. You're in charge. All right. You can ask some questions. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, again, didn't really ask your permission, but uh, may I ask you a question, Paulette? Sure. Or two or three. Okay. So we were thinking about technology. Doug and I were talking about technology. Tell me about automations in your business. So I am secretly a total automation and software nerd. In fact, I'm designing a piece of software for writers. So Ooh. I use them wherever. Trademark. I you have to say TM. 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 There you go. TM. Writers Mission Control Center. TM. Um, and I think they're great. I mean, we underutilize them. I remember I actually started a corporate university at the tech company I worked at because I got really into lynda.com, what is now LinkedIn Learning. And I was like, we should be doing this more often. And I had looked up, there was some study that said we waste 40% of our time at work not using automations. Doug wastes 40% of his time at work just wasting time. Yeah, but that's, we can't plan for Doug. We have to we have to move forward as humanity, no matter how much of an outlier Doug <laughs> insists on being. Insists on being. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Automations are super important. Tell me about some technology or things that help the most, things that you've kind of grown into. And and I guess like the evolution of, you know, I think about writing and I think about yet yeah, my grandparents owned a printing business way back when. And I remember when grandma got the word processor that you could type the whole sentence and then hit enter and it would, you know, that was a big deal. And so that was, I mean, that's at one point that was technology, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, at one point fire was technology. (laughs) And the wheel. Len remembers that. Um, I'm just going after everybody today. I like it. (laughs) Nobody's safe. Give me the mic. Nobody's safe. So I think, you know, we talk about investments with money where there's compounding interest. And I think that there's compounding interest on our automations, right? When you learn about how you can automate one thing, you automate that, it frees up your time. Now you can spend that time sharpening your skills in, you know, Excel or in your accounting software or in your communications, automating perhaps a drip campaign, something like that. And then that frees up more of your time. And it just becomes exciting as you mature as um, an organization and you say, oh, remember when we used to spend all day doing that? Well, now we have that drip campaign set up. Like I have on welcome to the writer's my blog, I have a free year of writing prompts, right? And so it was 365 emails that I set up in 2018. And I, let me tell you, writing 365 emails will drive you a little crazy. But now I have that set up, right? So yeah. I'm improving it or I'm just writing the blog post where people go to and then that's my call to action and my lead magnet. Right. It's funny that you talk about the uh, email and we'll let Joe come back in here in just a second because uh, longtime listeners of the show would remember that that Joe's, Joe had an email uh, campaign that was very similar. It, it, was, it was every day. And then as the show was recorded, we would say every week, we're going to every month, every so often, we're going to <laughs> send you an email. And now, of course, we've got the really great uh, 201, which if you don't subscribe to, I think we'll just find everybody's email and auto-subscribe them to it. Um, that would be a technology. Having every listener 
have to uh, submit their email to listen, and then they can get all the cool behind-the-scenes stuff. If you don't subscribe mm-hmm. to the 201, I don't know, go to stackingbenjamins.com and figure it out. There's, it's there somehow. But, yeah, uh, or the Stacking Benjamins OnlyFans. Are we, <laughs> are we telling people about that? That's, that, is, that is a subscription only, as you probably know. Doug is the biggest subscriber. He's also yeah. the content producer and yeah. in charge of all the content delivery, which is also explaining why it doesn't make any money. All right, final question before we'll let Joe come back. I'm kind of curious, Doug and I were talking about this earlier for my business, for the planning business. Where did you learn, pick up, acquire the technology that you use today, or at least get started on that on that journey? So in my college, you could get out of taking a foreign language by taking computer classes. So I actually took three semesters of personal software At the end of my last class, uh, my final project was an Excel spreadsheet that was a business plan that was 200 pages when it was printed. So I got this like massive kind of like introduction to all that technology could do for us. And as someone with ADHD, I always joke, Excel is the brain I was not born with. Like I'm nomading right now and moving all around and I have everything organized in Excel and love Excel. And so I just kind of realized that there's just this barrier between us not learning about the technology, like it's there, but you wouldn't know all that Excel could do if you just open it, all you hear about the boxes. Right. And so, um, so I have kind of a continued habit. I try to do at least 15 minutes a day. I try to make it social, like learning about these things. So my assistant and I will do it together. I have a friend and I who run a business. We just got done with a class on uh, LinkedIn learning. Well, you're the hit of all the parties. Like who wants to do a <laughs> beer bond? No, actually, let's learn about Excel. Hey, you know what? I will go out and I will party with you. I will also stay in at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. But you know what? It's not that's not a party. That to me is like I got to learn Excel. I got to keep track of like everything that's up on MailChimp. How can I make that more fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so my friend, my good friend, Ryan, he's my yoga teacher. He's now a realtor. He and I study, you know, sales technology together and it makes it more fun because I'm such a social person, you know? I mean, I don't bring Excel to parties, but I do bring parties to Excel. Um, (laughs) And so that helps me keep up because everything's changing so rapidly because, you know, I'm a writer and it takes so much freaking time to write, to be a writer to make things that finally sell, that finally get published. There's so much like I cannot afford to mess around with my time. So technology and automation helps me pack in all the admin that I have to do into those automated tasks and frees my mind for the creative stuff, which is where the fun really is. I think that's probably the the best line of all of this, which uh, I can't even repeat, even though you just said it, but it takes all of the tasks and frees you up for doing the next best thing, which for you is having that creative energy to to help us on the show, uh, which is super important. And we're all blessed to have you here, but then also the, all the other fun things that you do when you're not writing mm-hmm. all the witty banter for <laughs> Staggy Benjamins. All right. Yeah. Joe, Joe looks uh, very ticked off that we have him on mute. So I'm going to unmute Joe and you guys can continue this conversation because it's time for me to unsubscribe from Doug's OnlyFans account. <laughs> Thanks, OG. I want to talk about some just uh, quick tips here to end this discussion that will help us all write better. I wrote down a couple that have helped me write better over time. And once again, mine are 101. Paulettes are always way better than mine. But just to kick this off, I try to write several emails in a row. I feel like they get better as I write, like sharpen the saw by doing it all at once. Second, well, I wanted to ask you about humor. Certainly for my brand, I try to punch things up. But maybe it's what you were talking about before, which is finding surprising words for our brand. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about how can we make it, quote, basement-y. Is there a way to make it reflect what we're trying to do with all of our communication? And so for us, humor works. But I want to ask about that in a business setting in just a second. And then words to watch out for. Like I had, a, I had an editor once that told me wherever you see the word get or got, that is a lazy, lazy, lazy word and can easily be replaced. Get, got, have. Those are super easy to make more exciting and just easy opportunities. Do you have any more? I mean, you probably have 90 of them, but just a couple of quick ones. Yeah. You know, I think if you did highlight all the verbs in your in your story and you saw a get or have, you would be like, OK, that's, we can we can change that one out. So just tips to, to make writing better or funnier. Yeah. 
So one important thing is that, can I draw a picture of this sentence? I find a lot of times when I am really cracking up about something, it's because I have a mental image in my brain about it. So that is a really important one. Even if you're serious, you want to have as many concrete, specific details as possible and not abstractions and using more concrete little scenes to, you know, to paint uh, let's say we have we have an email from Uber that they're writing, and they say, we don't want to disappoint our customers. Disappoint is an abstraction. They might say instead, we don't want to leave our customers on a corner, on a rainy corner for 20 minutes not knowing where their car is, mm. right? Don't you feel that so much more? And that's a very professional internal communication. I'm working with a corporate client right now. She's like, we really have to balance being professional. And I'm like, no, that's still professional, <laughs> But, well, what's funny, and I want to talk about what an artist that is, you use the word rainy, which is an adjective, but the adjective, now you can drop in one adjective and it's a bomb versus using adjective, 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 right? When you finally describe it and it paints the important picture in the piece, then, I mean, it can be a hella loaded word. Yeah, because that that adjective conveys stakes, the stakes are that our customers are getting rained on and their car is supposed to be here and they're supposed to know where we are at all times and yet they're getting rained on, right? So yes, a few choice adjectives and adverbs are definitely great and that's why you want to save them instead of being like, we don't want sad customers, right? That's another adjective. You can't draw a picture of it. It doesn't really talk about the stakes. So really being choosy with your adjectives. We are going to dive into writing now on a semi-annual basis with Paulette. I'm super excited that this is going to be an ongoing thing, but thank you so much for hanging out, making the stackers communicate better because this is so incredibly important. If people want next steps, and I always say to everyone, don't ask how, ask who. Have good who's in your corner. Paulette has become our who when it comes to good writing. I certainly, but Paulette, I was a creative writing major. I know how to write. I'm like, we need better writing. And so we got lucky and started working with you. How do people find you if they need more help? Well, I am at thatwriterpaulette.com, P-A-U-L-E-T-T-E. And I do (laughs) a 10 week program where I help people uh, called your personal editor, where we meet for 30 minutes a week for 10 weeks and uh, workshop a piece. And I'm helping with, you know, everything from memoirs to internal communications at uh, one of the world's biggest companies. And I really love to see how how I can help people improve over those 10 weeks and the difference between the first pieces they bring in and and the 10th. And so just really helping you see your own patterns and weaknesses and uh, and also your talents and bump up your talents and help you work around your weaknesses. So that's my 10-week program, your personal editor. And then I also help freelance writers through a program called Powerhouse Writers. This is Scott from California. When I'm not hiking at national parks, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Paulette for sharing all that knowledge, OG. And I think it's super important because I can, I, I think of the number of emails that I get where I see just dumb spelling mistakes. And I think, wow, it, 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 it truly does reflect on you and the business that you run. I think that's why it's so important to just kind of be who you are, right? Because how you communicate, whether it's writing or podcasting or whatever the case may be, but in this case, writing, it's your voice. It's the authentic you and uh, misspellings and all if you're vice president. Quayle. So you're, are you saying it's Potato-y. not a big deal? Show the, no, no, I think he says, what? I think he says what Paulette was saying, which is avoid the flowery language. I agree with that part, but I also, sure. I also think showing it to somebody before you send it out at the very yeah, least, you're I mean, Grammarly or, and I know Grammarly no longer sponsors the show, but I, I use the hell out of Grammarly. But, absolutely. Be yourself. But if you use the wrong there, there, or there, or your and your, I'm going to never visit your business if I see that in print anywhere. So ruthless. <laughs> oh, you are done. I don't care if you have that one roll of toilet paper I need. There's no way I'm buying it from you. He's going over there, T-H-E-I-R, right. to get I'm going to buy their, their toilet paper over there. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, big thanks to Dell for including us in the Dell Podference. You can hear a lot more episodes from different 
podcasters with the Podference. I know there's a whole list of podcasts, and I'm glad that we were included. We also, if it's your first time here with Stacking Benjamins, we also are a community of uh, like-minded people who are trying to stack some Benjamins. So we have a newsletter called the 201, Stacking Benjamins slash 201. The number 201 gets you subscribed to that twice a week where we deep dive into the issues that we talk about here on the show. We have a Facebook group, stackingbenjamins.com slash basement, where it's a collection of great questions and money discussions, but also maybe a dad joke or two. So wait a minute. There. If they're a first time listener, you tell them about our newsletter, you tell them about the Facebook group, you decide not to tell them about the 1200 other episodes we've done of the show. <laughs> we might've done an episode or two about small business in the past. Wow. These guys are great for first times on the mic. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. But, well, it's, it's generally the toilet paper talk. They kept them around, I'm sure. And then uh, on our Instagram page, we now have a series going on where we're interviewing normal people as we go around the country where we ask people their money stories. And you can hear some of the things that average people around the country think about and worry about on Instagram. And at this point in the show, we normally tell you that OG and his team are taking new clients. But you know what? Because this is a Dell Podference episode and we're talking about small business opportunities, OG and his team are hiring. So if you go to Simply Paraplanner and search Stacking Benjamins, you will find the opportunity to pinch yourself because you get to work with OG. Oh my goodness. I got to tell you, I get to podcast with him three days a week. It is the joy. It just keeps Not nearly enough, is it? (laughs) Me and and my liver both enjoy... (laughs) Working with OG. I I don't think the liver is enjoying the abuse. (laughs) The hours of entertainment my family gets hearing me talk about the joy of working with OG. How can we spend more time with OG? (laughs) Just amazing. Work for him. Well, there goes any uh, qualified candidates anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely nobody is going to simply paraplanner.com. I thought it was cool that in Houston, we we met a member of OG's team and it was... Oh, she's amazing. She was amazing. His whole team is great. Yes. Just fantastic. Their ability to tolerate OG is a hireable quality in itself. US, we should have done an episode about solving for that. Can we just have your whole team on the, on the podcast and we'll have like an airing of grievances? Next year on Dell oh, Podference, boy. when your boss is insufferable, <laughs> how, 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 how do you make it through? <laughs> All right. It's uh, simply Paraplanner and search Stacking Benjamins and you'll see that job listing. Thanks again to Dell for including us. Thanks to you for spending the day with us. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Stacking Benjamins. But Doug, what should we have learned today? So, what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Paulette Perhatch. How you communicate is just as important as what you have to say. Nobody will take you seriously if your writing is filled with typos or doesn't accurately reflect what you're trying to say. Second, struggling with finding enough people to run your business? Instead, think about how you can automate basic repetitive tasks like accounting or data entry. Technology costs are really investments and force multipliers. But the big lesson, be careful not to fat finger an entry into Excel. Last time I made that mistake, OG cut my salary in half and they don't even pay me. Thanks to the brilliant, wonderful, magnanimous, oh, all right, Paulette, give it a rest. Paulette Perhatch for joining us today. Her book, Welcome to the Writer's Life, is available at any bookstore you go to to feel smarter. More information about her writing coaching is available at thatwriterpaulette.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? 
Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. I want to. Feels like this whole episode's been an after show. <laughs> it was so fun. That's a. Hey, if we're doing extra episodes, why not laugh a little bit? But I want to talk a little bit about early business mistakes that you made. Oh. Like mistakes in business. I got hired by my neighbor, a farmer, to plow his fields in the spring. And. A weird uh, euphemism. <laughs> A lot happens in rural America. <laughs> I'm going to try to get through this. We uh, uh, and it's 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 a tractor. It's such a big tractor that it is enclosed. I'm I'm in an air conditioned unit in the front with these headphones on, and I'm listening to the Rolling Stones, drinking a latte, no, no, <laughs> eating sushi. I, I, yeah, there was a button for lattes right <laughs> right there. You just press the button, a little microwaver. It was amazing. No, but this, you know, I'm listening to the Rolling Stones and I'm going up and down the field, and it is the most boring job. I mean, you're just driving this tractor up and down the field in a straight line. So I'm I'm pretending I'm uh, I'm Charlie Watt on the drums, you know, going up and down the field. And at the end of the field, there's these big, huge trees. And you turn the tractor around with the plow behind it. And every once in a while, there's these big mirrors on the, on the edges of the tractor. And a limb hits a, hits a mirror. But after about two-thirds of the field, and I'm just a teenager, I am so, so, so bored that I don't notice how big this limb is that's hitting the mirror. And I turn the tractor. The limb goes back and back and back and back as it's on the mirror. And then it slingshots forward hits the right side of the cab that I'm in and shatters the entire glass. So there's shattered glass all over the field and I'm in big trouble and I'm 16, 17 years old. So I took the, I took the tractor back to the other end of the field and I am shaking. And I actually learned a really good lesson about leadership that day, which is that when you're the boss, how you handle these situations is huge because at 54 years old, I still remember what Rob did. Mm. I walk into this barn where he's working on some other piece of equipment. And I said, um, uh, I, I had a big problem with the tractor. There was a limb. I didn't realize how big it was. And, uh, and it shattered the side window of, of this cab. And he goes out. He said, well, just stares at me and goes, well, let's go take a look at it, Joe. And we go out there and he looks at the cab and of course, I avoided the whole part about how I wasn't paying any attention and I was Charlie Watt on the drums for the Rolling Stones. And he looks at me and he looks at the cab and looks at me again and goes, well, you know what? I know that you were paying attention. You tried your hardest and that's all you can do. And he walked away. And the internal monologue I had as the employee was far worse than anything he could have done mm. because he knew and I knew that there was no way I was paying attention. 
What mm-hmm. a what right. a what a freaking lesson that was that you don't have to yell yeah. to make your point. I learned two things from that story. One, you have a story I hadn't heard haven't heard before. <laughs> one, I found the one. <laughs> wow! And by the way, He's for amazing. everybody at home, we had to re-record this because I told a story. <laughs> I think you leave that tasty free the beginning of the tasty freeze thing in, Steve, <laughs> and let let OG and I correct Joe. I leave that all in. You can't tell it again. You just told that one. Oh, Damn, yeah, I did. Oh, that's set, that sets up the rest of the humor. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, story I haven't heard before. And second, I have. Oh, have you? Um, oh yeah. So as four hundred thousand people are also, but he's told whatever. it on this show before. Was oh, I God, asleep yes. for that? Probably. Oh, blissfully. Thank you. I should yes, go back to that degree. practice. Anyway, so there, and you had scruples when you were younger that I didn't have because I have a similar-ish story. I worked for, in the hottest summer in Detroit history, I think, I worked for an air conditioning company, commercial air conditioning. Uh, I think it was between, I don't know, it's probably 19 years old or something, so pretty young. And I'm driving one of those big white vans. And there were no backup cameras in those days or anything. And in two different occasions, I backed into things in a parking lot and damaged the van. In one case, I backed into one of those big yellow cement posts oh. they have. And I, the fender, the rear bumper of the thing just like, you know, went all the way in. Oh. So it was drivable. It wasn't, it didn't do any damage to the main body of the van, but the fender was just pushed way in on one side. And I chose not to share the truth with the, I said that somebody backed into the van when I was at a parts depot. <laughs> there was this and, yellow post and it totally ran into me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just said, you know, I went to the, I went to go pick up those parts you wanted me to get. And I came back out and I see this. So I completely lied. And, he just looked at me and paused like you're looking at me right now, actually. <laughs> he just sort of looked at me like, yeah, uh-huh. All right. Well, let's see if we can fix it. And so he, he took the same approach that Rob took, that Rob took yeah. and he had an even bigger choice to make is, do I even want this associate around anymore? Because he just lied. I mean, I know he just lied to me. Wow. And he did. He just, and he, I think he like, kind of quickly assessed the damage. It's not that big a deal. And he got his point across. Like It still made an impression on me. His approach that he took was, okay, I'm going to let you know that you lied, but I'm not going to call you out for it. And he just did it with one brief glance. And then we strapped a chain around that bumper and attached the other end of the chain to a telephone pole. And I drove forward a couple of inches and pulled that bumper back out. And you're like, this is how this thing started. I mean, uh... <laughs> that's the same pole that I... <laughs> like. Do you find it odd that this post has the same color paint on it <laughs> as the yellow? <laughs> That's a, what a coincidence. So weird. <laughs> Such What's a that coincidence. got to do with anything? <laughs> I'm not connecting the dots here, boss. What are you? You guys looking at me like I made some kind of screw up one day? <laughs> it's okay. We're sharing. It's sharing our OG. Let's go. Yeah, I rolled my dad's pickup truck in the in grandpa's farm one time with my uh, brother when I was like 10 or 12. And um, you were 12 and you rolled a pickup truck. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> How many beers did you have? <laughs> yeah, there's like the field went away from the, the house and there was a hill. And then on the other side of the hill, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted because no, you couldn't see there. And so we were coming back from the back 40. We'd, we'd have this loop and we'd drive like hell's bells and like, you know, just be able to make it through just, Kind of like what you were talking about, about hitting the hitting the mirrors and all this stuff. And this is an old pickup truck. And we were, you know, I don't remember how fast we were going. But I just thought, I wonder what would happen if I grabbed the bottom of the steering wheel and turned it as fast as I can in one direction. And the truck went like that. My brother was in my lap, and I was eating dirt. And we were like, holy crap. That is impressive. So, we like, shut the car off, got out. Like somehow push the truck back over and then like drive it back like at like four miles an hour. You're kidding. Wait a minute. What? Two little kids pushed a truck back over? Yeah. 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 Don't think like big F one fifty truck. Think oh. old rusted out pickup truck that was pretty light. <laughs> Part That's of the reason. No, I don't you had to have had the assistance of gravity. Like were you on a hill or something and were able to I I'm pretty strong, dude. I don't know. I don't at remember. I'm sure old? there was there was two of us. I love how the two was of us... on its side. It wasn't upside down. It was on its side. We just had to. It's like a quarter turn. Oh, I see. Like yeah. from the yeah, we so weren't upside down. Fl- you were just rocking. Yes, you exactly. Rocking. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was resting on the driver's side window. Okay. Well, I was resting on the ground. Did anybody notice? 
nobody said anything. And then seriously, like probably five years ago, I was talking to my dad about something completely different. My grandparents have passed away. And I said something about his truck. And he goes, oh, the one that you guys rolled over and <laughs> at, at grandpa's. And I'm like, what? And he's like, he's like, man, we know about all that stuff. He's like, I knew it when it happened. He's like, I just waited to see what would happen when you guys came back. And neither of you said anything about it. So I figured you learned your lesson. Stitches like, get stitches. That's right. I'm like, holy crap. So dad teaching the right lesson. Yeah. So a lot of good times out on the farm. Let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro so you can do more and we can all go forward together. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.